This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your presence, and I thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I don't know all things, but this I do know, that you are faithful and you are just. And Lord, this decision was a weighty decision, but I'm thankful that when we came into agreement, immediately your spirit bore witness. For Father, we will bless those who are meeting tonight in services, and we will pray for those who are unable to meet in services And we will celebrate what you're doing in our house as I'm able to meet with so many thousands of people online in this time of the message. Thank you, Father, for finding us faithful to serve in an hour like this. Open this word to us now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to bring you a a very specific message, and this is uh, a message that uh, many of the thoughts the Lord's put in my heart, but it's also a couple of thoughts that somebody sowed into my life. And uh, so I kind of put those together, and I really felt like they were very important. There's a phrase that we've been hearing a lot about over the uh, last uh, year or so, and uh, it's it's kind of become a a catchphrase, uh, and and it's uh, rhythm. what is the rhythm of our life? Uh, what are the rhythms that we live in? And so I want to talk to you about the rhythms of faith and the rhythms of grace for just a moment this evening, okay? But I've called this the rhythms of faith. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 through 30, and uh, this is from a, um, a translation that's not my favorite translation, but in this particular instance, I feel like it says uh, this passage the best. It's very simple. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, and summing that up, just pulling this phrase out, says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Let me give you that passage one more time. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Now, what does that mean? Well, a rhythm, you have to understand, is a natural flow in our lives. When you channel that correctly, it will result in those natural things that are coming through our lives. When we channel them correctly, uh, it will reflect in, in, and be respond and become a melody. Okay. Now, it's interesting. You don't have to have a melody to have rhythm, but you do have to have rhythm to have a melody. And to have a harmony, you have to have the right melody. So once we learn to take whatever's coming into our lives, whatever influences are coming at us, and we take those things, and I feel the Holy Spirit in what I'm speaking to you now, and we take those things and we make up our minds that we're not going to allow it to bring a a sour note into our life. We're not going to allow that to change us into a negative place in our life, but we become determined that we're going to filter that through the presence of God and filter it through a life of faith, then God will take that and turn it for our good. God will do great things and we will begin to live in the harmony that he created us to live in so that our, our, our lives are lined up with that masterpiece that, that the scripture talks about that God's trying to make us his own 
masterpiece. He created us to be a masterpiece. And many of you are saying, but you don't understand, I feel more like broken pieces. But you have to understand that God can take broken pieces and make them a masterpiece of a mosaic that others will stand back and say, I don't know how God took such a broken life and made it so beautiful, but look what God has done. God wants your life to be a living testimony of what he does when whatever we're facing is channeled into the melody and ultimately the harmony that he created us to live in. You see, in this current world, it's, it's more like chaos and having to make decisions, like even tonight I've had to make. You know, there's a lot of pressure and, and it seems more like chaos than it does harmony. But in order to find that harmonious place that God's called us to live in, we're going to have to establish and revisit the rhythms of faith in our life. And there's one character out of the scripture that I want to take you to study, one, one man who, who really found that rhythm for his life. And he had one very specific rhythm that he judged everything else by, that he pulled every other uh, influence into line with this one so it could become a harmonious flow. And that man is Daniel. And Daniel, his name means something very specific. It means God is my judge. Let me say that to you again. God is my judge. And so when, when, when Daniel saw all the different things that came against him in his life, at 17 years of age, he ends up as a, a young man being trained by the king. And they, he's told, you're going to have to live like this and like this and like this. And he realized that all the streams of information and opportunity coming to him were going to produce negative results in his life. He had to come back to the one thing he knew to be true. And that one stream, that one rhythm that he knew would always be there in his life was that God was his judge. And so he wanted everything that he did to line up with the pleasing, the one who was watching every action, who we will give every account for, for every word. So Daniel had to line up his life according to uh, that feeling, according to that flow. What What I'm about to do, does it line up with the very core metric of my life that God's watching what I'm doing? Now, it's interesting. The Babylonians changed his name to uh, Belshazzar, and, and they changed his name. But listen to me. Just because the circumstances changed his name, it did not change his heart. He kept that center rhythm of his life, that God is watching everything I'm doing. And what would our lives change like if we realized that God is watching every decision, every word, every action, every post, every response, that God is watching that so carefully? How would it change who we are? And you see, when we begin to see Daniel's story through that lens, that he's constantly responding to every situation by the fact that he wants to please God. He wants God to judge him faithful. He wants God to to judge him as one who is worthy to bear the calling of being a child of God. You see, then it will cause you to see that he really just at the core of his being wanted to please God. His early life was totally marked by those choices and and by those choices that he made. Watch this. When he was walking in accordance with God, it would make him have to stand apart from the others that were walking in accordance with the world's choices. He would have to pull aside and say, now you can do that if you want, but as for me, I want to honor God. 
You can live in this negative narrative if you want, but as for me, I want to live in the decision that God is the one, my goodness, I feel him tonight, that God is the one who is going to uh, uh, judge what I'm about to do. And here's the beauty of it. Every time that you see in Daniel's life that he made a decision to stand apart, God moved him above. He became the example He became the leader. Even at one point, we'll talk about it in a few moments, he becomes only below the king in the nation. Why? Because every time that he followed the rhythm of God judging his life and that that, that flow and that metrics of saying, I want to honor God so that I am in harmony with his will for my life, it literally set him apart and then elevated him above all of the others around me. And I believe somebody needs to get that. God's wanting to elevate you. And a season like the chaos that we're in is not a season to push you down, but it's a season to elevate you. It's a season to promote you. It's a season to cause you to thrive and move forward. And so uh, for 60 years of his uh, life that we get an image of, Daniel, so from 17 all the way to almost 80 years of age, we see Daniel using this as his moral compass, that God is watching how I'm responding. God's watching what I'm saying. God's watching everything about my life. And it wasn't that he was worried about who else was watching. He was concerned about the fact that God was watching. How would that change our lives if we'd stop trying to please everybody else in our life and line up our lives in such a way that we please God? You see, that became his default. See, the rhythms of honoring God must become the defaults of our life. We need to get to the point to where, uh, how should I handle this? No, no, no. It's how would God want me to handle this? What would God want me to do? And when God wants you to do something, as you line up with what God wants, it always lines up. You pull apart to what God wants, and then God says, I can bring you above that. I can help you conquer that thing. I can help you succeed when others cower in fear. And that's exactly what happened in Daniel's life in Daniel chapter 6. It actually says this, It pleased Darius the king to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. I want you to notice that. So there's three men who were given the place above all the other rulers even. And even above those, there was Daniel. So here's Daniel, who from his childhood has put God's first. He's been taught and trained to do that from the very early days of his life. Your name means this, and, and this is what who you are, and this is the metric of your life, that God's watching what you're doing. And, and he learns, you better put God first, because when he puts God first, it helps him to follow that, that metric in his life. You see, putting God first determines everything that follows. Let me say that again. Putting God first determines everything else that follows. Think about those. Think about that. Those of you with small children, you need to teach your children that putting God first is the most important thing that you can do. That, that they, they need to stay involved. And when we reopen our children's ministry, they need to be involved in children's ministry. They need to realize putting God first. I, I'm, I love uh, just listening to uh, uh, the children in my life telling me 
how that what they learned in class, what their teachers taught, the songs uh, that they sing. You know, watching my grandson run around singing, you know, uh, the blessing song. And, you know, he always says, uh, instead of upon your children, he says, and upon your babies and upon your babies and your babies. And, and just, but hearing him learning truths that he's finding in the house of God. You should also teach your children that, that Bible study is important. They ought to know that they're going to find their parents uh, searching the Word of God, and they're going to be invited to join their parents in searching the Word of God. And that you're going to, even on nights like tonight, when you maybe are right there in your home having to watch, or some of you may be driving down the road or whatever that might be, uh, you are uh, going to take moments to prioritize worship. When you shut off everything else that's going on and you focus on God. I mean, that's huge. See, we're teaching them from the early days of their life to create a metric. And why is this important? I've watched this over and over again in the many years that I, I mean, my whole adult life I've been pastoring. And in the many years of this, I've watched uh, young people come, grow, and, and some will go out into the world. And when, when things get tough and when darkness starts raining all around them, they know where that safe place is and they find their way back to the presence of God because they learned where the safe rhythm of life is, that rhythm that we call the rhythm of faith and grace. It's huge. You see, it's laying the foundation for their homes. It's laying for what they'll build their ultimate lives upon. Let's think about uh, the words of Jesus 500 years after the time of Daniel. Now think about what I said just a moment ago. Putting God first determines everything that follows. Now Jesus really didn't say it that way, but he said it. That's more of a paraphrase of what he said in Matthew 6.33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Put God first and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now think about that. Matthew 6.33 says, seek God first, the kingdom of God, above all else, live righteously, and then he's going to give you everything you need. But ultimately, what that saying is, putting God first determines everything that follows, okay? So uh, that's what he's saying in Matthew 6.33. If you'll learn to live with God in mind, that God's watching and I've got to please God, everything else in your life's going to line up. God says, you pull apart to me, and I'll bring you above. I just feel that. You, you need to get that. Somebody's trying to make a decision. What should you do? Stand with God. Stand with God, and God will promote you in this life. He will promote you in above everything. You know, Pastor Don, I've been going through dark days. Even in the chaos of the world we're in today, God wants to let us be a beacon of hope in this world. When you make every decision with pleasing God in mind over time, it will become a rhythm of action, okay? When you get that in your mind, you see, I want you to understand what I'm about to say. When you have a rhythm of faith, it means that it's become an action of your life. You see, our faith is just an idea until it translates into an action in our life. Let me give you that, that, that bullet point one more time. Our faith is just an idea until it translates into an action, and God's wanting you to understand that, that, that you can get into such a regular rhythm of trusting God, believing God, and saying, how do I please God in this moment, that it will, it will literally determine every action that you're going to take. You see, because of Daniel's stand for God, he is once again promoted to stand above. Now he's second only to the king, 70-something years old. He's second only to the king, and there's no telling how old the king is at this point. But other men become jealous and they look for a way to trap him. 
But because of his stand for God, there are no skeletons in Daniel's closet. There's nothing that they can find. So they're trying to figure out how can we trap him. What does Daniel do even? He works and he prays. He works and he prays. And they've examined his work and everything he's doing is he's doing it as unto the Lord. So his belief, the rhythm of his faith has become the rhythm of his action. And, and there's nothing there that they can tear him apart about. So they have to attack his prayer life. So since they couldn't find any defect in his work, they attack him in his habit of prayer. So they pass a law, many of you know this story, where he can no longer pray. Now this is really where the story starts interacting with our world. We need to stop giving the enemy places to attack us from. And when he does start attacking our rhythms of faith, we allow those rhythms to guide us. Watch what Daniel does. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Notice this part, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying, asking God for help. I think it's important. He's, he's like, God, I know I may be in trouble for this, but that doesn't change who I am and what I do because who I am and what I do is determined by you, God. That's so important. You see, so then they go and they speak to the king, and then the problem begins. You see, he says, God, I will keep doing what I've been doing, and I am trusting you to do what only you can do. That's what a rhythm of faith says. I'm going to keep living the way that I should be living so that you, oh God, can then help me by doing what only you can do. I'll do what I can do. You do what you can do. I'm going to just meddle for just a moment here. This reminds me very much of those who have chimed in on the public ban of worship in California. I fear that many of those who have been critical of what's happening out there are using this as a soapbox. But listen to me carefully. But they should realize that they should step off of that soapbox and empty its contents and spend some time washing in worship. Let me say that again. Instead of trying to turn it into a political situation and using it as a soapbox, they ought to turn it over and empty the soap out. And let themselves be washed in the presence of worship. Why? Because if you have already been worshiping all along, no ban will stop you. No decree from a government will stop you if you've been actively worshiping. If you've been sitting in church just kind of wondering whether or not the songs were ever going to end, or if you've been arriving late to church because you know you can catch one song and then you're going to get the message, or however that works for your life, then you probably need a soapbox. But if you've been washing yourself in the presence of worship, a ban isn't going to stop you. It didn't stop Daniel when they said stop praying. You see, if you've been praying all, all along, no decree will stop you. And I didn't mean to put this into my message, but this is important. I want you to get this. In my life, I you know, always heard people talking about the refusal to let students pray in school. You know, I, I not only prayed in school, I would be called to the office of the teachers and the principal. I remember one day I was called to the principal's office. And nowadays, of course, this would never happen, but I come to the principal's office and he said, he said, Don, close the door. And I was like, well, yes, sir. And I, I mean, I thought I was in some serious trouble. And I, I closed the door. And my principal looked at me, and he begins to cry. And he says, Don, I'm overwhelmed. Can you pray for me? You see, when it's who you are already, 
You can go into any environment because it's the metric of your life. It's the rhythm of your life. It's the faith and the grace by which you live. And you can go into those environments. You see, Daniel still had to go to the lion's den. He still had to face the hour of chaos. But in the hour of chaos, when they brought Daniel to the lion den, even uh, the king knew what Daniel's rhythm was. Can it, would it not be amazing if the people of your life know how you're going to respond? They know what you're going to do. They, they know that when they, even if they're visiting you that weekend, you're still going to church because that's what your family does. You see, the king says, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. The God that you're always walking with, the God who you know is judging you, I believe he'll take care of you, Daniel. You see, I have to ask myself, if the rhythms of my life determine the actions of my life, what routines or rhythms do I have? I mean, what am I doing? What routines or rhythms are the things that, that satisfy me? Am I having to find something that, that is not pleasing to God to quiet the storm in my life, or am I finding it in the presence of God? You know, I have a, a home study that, that, that I, I love to sneak into, and I've got a prayer chair, and it's worn just right. I mean, it's, 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 it's just the way I want it. But when I get there and the world seems to be caving in on me, there I find comfort because that's the place where my life has gotten out of rhythm. He brings me back into tune and back onto the right beat and right onto the right flow that moves me to melody and ultimately to the harmony of faith. You see, what are the habits of our heart? What words and things are feeding our soul? What do you think Daniel did the night he was in the lion's den? What do you think he did that night? You know what I believe he did? He assumed the position of comfort on his knees, doing what he'd already done, and he prayed. He began to pray. And do you know what God did? God answered his prayers. Even in the lion's den, he stepped apart. And God took him above what had come to destroy him. What an hour we live in. If we will pull apart and begin to seek the face of God, honor God, serve God, amazing things are going to happen in our lives. I believe that we live in one of the brightest hours of this world. Not that darkness doesn't abound and not that chaos is not running rampant. But this is our hour. This is our time. Great is he that is within us. He has chosen us. He has blessed us. He has called us. He wants us to be set apart unto him. You see, when you live by the beat of a different drum, you will not be shaken when the circumstances around you lose their normal rhythms. When you're listening to a heavenly beat, when you're listening to the the, the, the rhythm of God's heart for this generation. The craziness that's happening around you cannot deafen it and cannot remove it from you. You'll learn to focus. You'll learn to focus in on that voice. There's this verse in the book of Samuel. It really is one of my life verses. I've, you know, I've got several that I truly love one out of Jeremiah, this one out of Samuel, and, and it's an interesting passage. It's, it's, it's this passage about Hannah, the, the mother of Samuel. 
This is what it says. She stood up while the others were sitting down. She stood up while others were sitting down. It was in the moment that she followed the rhythm of the heart of God that her prayers were answered. I don't care what's happening in the world around us. Keep standing. Keep worshiping. Keep praying. Until the rhythms of your faith become the rhythms of action that cause you to be set apart and brought above. It's been an honor talking with you tonight. Let me pray for you. And once again, thank you. Thank you so much for being part of this family. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Lord, you have blessed us. You have spoken to us. You have changed our hearts. You have changed our lives. And Lord, sometimes we start walking to the beat of this world. Sometimes we start listening to the negative narrative and it starts directing our steps and we're marching to a tune that is not of you. Forgive us, O oh God. Cleanse us, O oh God. Restore within us a clean heart. And let my ears and let our ears be attentive to the beating of your heart. That ultimately, as we begin to march in rhythm to that, the melody that will become harmony will unite us into the promise that if you are within us and we are within you, no matter what environment we're in whatsoever we ask, we can ask in faith, believing to receive. Lord, make us ambassadors of hope and truth. And until we gather together again this weekend, I thank you that you keep us, that no plague shall come nigh our dwelling, and that our children and our families shall be safe, that those that maybe feel like they have no one to come into agreement with now, Lord, they are in agreement with their church family. And we believe that the angels of the Lord encamp round about them. For great is our God and mighty is our King. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you, and I'll look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.